If you're like me, it only took about an hour after service last week for that sin to start wiggling around and trying to come back to life and trying to enter itself back into your life, right? And so how do we live this life where this is a theological reality? Jesus paid for our sin on the cross. He canceled that debt of sin on the cross however that sin still wants to come back into our life how do we live out that reality well the good news is as paul keeps writing in colossians he talks about that he talks about how we deal with the fact that we still live on planet earth and while we are still a part of his kingdom and jesus has canceled our debt of sin this sin still wants to keep rising its ugly head what do we deal with that? And, and, and just like last week, we've got a couple of options that we can go to to be able to deal, deal with it. Um, uh, the, 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 the scripture verses this week, I'm going to be all over the place in, in Colossians 2 and 3. And so it's going to be hard to follow along uh, like would be normal, like reading paragraphs and such. And so um, ho- hopefully I was able to describe what I was going to do well enough to Lydia so that she can follow along uh, here. But uh, as we read through our reading plan, we're going to get to a Colossians. You're going to be able to read this uh, passage in its entirety. In fact, I would encourage you to do so even before then. But we're going to start in Colossians 2, 16. And Paul writes this, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in manner uh, of a festival or new moon or Sabbath day. Our option number one when when dealing with this sin, uh, when it tries to come back, is to manage it, is to manage our sin. And to, and to put borders around it and try and just simply to manage it. And this is what he's talking about in this verse. There, there were people in uh, this church, in, in the church of Colossae, that were, that were uh, uh, former Jews turned Christians, but they said, uh, we still need to uphold the festivals of the Old Testament and, and, and the dietary laws of the Old Testament in order to be Christian. And really what we're talking about here is, 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 the, is the spiritual high person. That they live for every spiritual high. And they say, in order to be a good Christian, you have to have these spiritual highs. And even Paul said, don't let anybody judge you on basis of, of what you do with the Sabbath day. Of what you do with this day. I mean, anybody been a part of that church, right? Unless you're in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're not really a true Christian. And Paul's like, don't let anybody judge you based on this, based on your spiritual highs. Because we utilize these spiritual highs in order to manage our sin. There's another type of person. Skip into verse 18. Let no one disqualify you. Uh, Listen to that. Paul's saying, let no one say that you're not a Christian based on those people insisting on aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by its unspiritual mind. What this is, is the hyper-spiritual person. The person looking for the Jesus face in the tortillas and, and and, and, and in the cloud formations and, and looking for the apocalypse and the red moon and, or the blood moon and, and the people that say, unless you have visions like me, you're not a real Christian. Paul says these people are inflated. They've got a big head. And these are the, the super hyper spiritual people. This 
This type of people only are utilizing these to manage their sin. Now, now, are these real things? Paul had visions himself. But if we try to utilize these to manage our sin and tell other people that they are not Christians because they do not have these same things, that's pride. That's spiritual pride. There's another type of per- person. The last part of verse 20 into 21. Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These are the spiritual rules person. You can't watch, watch this type of movie or rated R movies unless it's about Jesus. You can't drink this. You can't listen to this. Real Christians would never do such a thing. Paul says all these are, are managing sin. They're managing sin. He actually explains about each one of these, why, why they won't work. Uh, verse 17, about the, about, the, uh, 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 about the spiritual high person. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. Look, Paul is saying, look, these were real things, and they're not bad even today, but they're the shadow. It's like, it's like Jesus. There's a light shining and, and behind Jesus, and, and even into the Old Testament, Jesus, this light was shining behind Jesus that was casting a shadow out, and these festivals were merely the shadow of the Messiah, all to point to the Messiah. All the point to the Messiah. And so now today, when we come to this, 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 this thing called church and the church service, the church service is not to be worshipped. It's not to be worshipped. You can miss a church service and still be a Christian. Oh, yeah, right? You, know, you don't need the 90 years in church every Sunday pin in order to be a Christian. Why? This is merely a shadow. This shadow, though, is attached to the Messiah, is attached to Jesus. It's not about do you show up in church or not. It's about do you see Jesus or not. And what Paul is saying, see, the Old Testament, we could only see the shadow. But now we've had Jesus come. And now we can have a relationship with him directly. And all these things do is point to the one we have the relationship with. And then the hyper-spiritual people. He says, these people, they don't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, develops with growth from God. He's saying these people are, are, are headless people. They're headless people. They think they're attached to Christ, but they're not attached to the head. And the head is what grows the body. He's like, if we're not attached to the head, we cannot grow spiritually. And worshiping visions and and, and, and all these things, while they're good in their context, unless they're, they're, they're keeping us attached to the head, we'll never grow. And then the with the rules people. With the rules people. Verse 22, all these regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body. Look, Paul says, these appear spiritual. These rules appear spiritual. But he says, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence or our desires or our heart. There's no help in curbing our heart. Let's say it this way. Sin is exhausting. It's exhausting. 
It's absolutely exhausting. It wears us out. And for us to manage sin is even more exhausting. For us to go on one night stands and, 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 and sescapades and, and all of this, it's exhausting. So, so, some guys are probably like, well, I'd like to try. Look, 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 look. And, and study for another series coming up. I've read some, some, some articles from the Atlantic and from Huffington Post about, about this culture, this hookup culture. And in the middle of these articles, they're not Lifeway articles. They're not Baptist Press articles. They're the Atlantic and Huffington Post. In the middle of these articles, the, 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 the people that, that manage this culture are talking about how exhausting it is. But they don't know any way else. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to be a gossip and a liar. And to manage that, because we've got to remember what lies we've told. And when we're caught in a lie, we've got to, we've got to remember what lie we need to tell next. And when, when we're gossiping, we've got to remember how to post on Facebook so that person knows but doesn't know I'm talking about them. Right? It's exhausting to manage this. It's exhausting to manage the suburban dream. I don't know what's going on in the bathroom, in the kids' room. <laughs> but something's happening. <laughs> It's exhausting to be in the bathroom in the kids' room. Anyway, it's exhausting to keep up the suburban dream where we're talking about, we're talking about always going up and moving up and, and, and the credit card debt in order to keep up with the Joneses and have this look, good-looking life. It is exhausting. But you know what's even worse? It's to manage sin while looking religious. That's hell on earth. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there, or maybe you're there now. Trying to look religious on the outside while managing, while managing all these hookups, while managing lying and gossip, while managing the, 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 the suburban life. It is hell on earth to manage sin, all the while putting up a religious front. And this is what Paul is saying. Look, all these rules in order to manage your sin does nothing to change our heart. Jesus talked about this in, in, in Matthew 15. He said, look, this outward stuff that we could do, like washing our hands, it does nothing to change our heart. He said, all of the sin that, 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 that we do comes because our heart desires sin. You've maybe been there. In one hand, you're, you're watching YouTube. And you're on YouTube. And all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. I'm watching something that I should not be watching. Because why? Your heart desires it. You could go at this one of two ways. Throw the computer out the window. Or want a different heart. But even in that, the next moment, the next moment you're watching a video about a missionary. And you're going, oh, man. I wish I could live on mission like that. And your heart desires kingdom things. How can we be a people that on one hand, in one minute, watching this or posting on, on YouTube about, about how awful this person is, and in the next moment, wanting things of the kingdom and praising Jesus on Facebook? We're going to talk about this next week, of, of how to fuel this fire next week, of, of, of the heart desire for the kingdom next week. But we are people with these two desires. Today, we're going to talk about how to take care of this person. And Paul gives us this. Paul gives us this in chapter 3. As we, as we change to the next chapter, we see this in, in chapter 3, verse 3. For you have died. For you have died. 
Verse 5, therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. Verse 8, but now you must also put away the following. Or put to death. Verse 9, the last part, since you have put off the old self with its practices, or put to death the old self with its practices. Now, last week we had three uh, word pictures that Paul used. And one of them had to deal with putting off the old self. Which one was it? It's a circumcision. And he's telling, he told us, he told us in what we read last week that Messiah has come to circumcise you, to cut off the old life and to put away that foreskin. But Paul is saying here, we want to keep putting on that foreskin again. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Why do we keep going back? Put it to death. The second option, instead of managing our sin, is to put to death sin. Put to death sin. Hopefully this illustration isn't too raw for, uh, for, for, for you, but we say odd things at funerals, don't we? It's kind of odd, strange thing. Generally, it, 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 it comes from not knowing what to say, and as Americans, we've got to fill the space with something. And so we just say weird things. Like, usually it's not the family. It's, it's you know, people outside, you know, visiting with the family and stuff. And a couple of people there looking at the, the person in the coffin and said, boy, they look peaceful, don't they? Well, duh, right? For the first time since they've been born, they have no worries. That physical body has no worries. When you're born, you're worried about who's going to feed me and who's going to wipe my butt. Maybe you die like that as well. But we've had all these worries in between. For the first time in, the, in our life since we've been born, we have absolutely no worries laying in that coffin. And this is what Jesus wants us to get. That when we are dead to sin, we have no worries about sin. We're completely peaceful. But it takes a different heart. A changed heart. And how do we change that heart? Well, we can't get a heart transplant until our heart is dead, right? Until the doctor says, look, Unless you get a new heart, you're going to die. Until that heart is dead, we don't need a a, a heart transplant. And so what Jesus is saying, what the entire uh, uh, thread of Scripture is saying, is that our heart has to be dead. In fact, in Ezekiel, we see this. The Old Testament. We see a New Testament verse in the Old Testament saying, I want to replace your heart of stone, your heart that wants to rebel against me, your heart that is hard against me, the the heart that is dead. I want to replace that with a heart of flesh. That's soft. Tender. It's living. It's the Old Testament. It sounds New Testament, doesn't it? This is threaded throughout the entire Bible. That our heart has to change. This is why that when we manage sin, it doesn't work. Because it doesn't change our heart. 
And so what do we do? What do we do? The reality is, is that sin still wants to move and get up and make its way back into our life. What do we do? What do we do? We put it to death. Right? This is the best gun I've got, all right? So this is, this is it. This is it. We have, and, and we have no Nerf bullets because they've either been eaten by Isaiah or they've been left out in the yard and I mowed over them. But we put to death sin. It starts crawling, we, we shoot it. It starts crawling again, we shoot it. It starts crawling again, we shoot it. I meant to post on Facebook asking if anybody had a cap gun. That would have been a better effect, but I forgot to do that. So it, it's what it, what it is. There you go. There you go. I can do it like this, and maybe a little bit more comes through the sound system. But you put it to death. Last time I preached about this, I brought out a, 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 a knife, and we had new people, and we haven't seen them since. So decided not to go that way. We, we put it to death. And see, death is a grace. Death is a grace. How is it a grace? It's a grace. See, managing sin is work. And on top of that, on top of that, we can be better than some at managing sin and, and worse than some at managing sin. And we can go, ah, I manage better than this person. That's not a grace, it's a work. This is never said at a funeral. Well, Jim Bob, man, he did death better than Sally. Never said that, right? If you're dead, you're dead. That's why it's a grace. It's because every single person does dead the same way. Dead. This is what Christianity is actually all about. It's not about showing up at church. It's not about praying a prayer, asking God to give you a pass from hell. It is about being so tired with sin that you say, I want to die. I want my heart to die. That, 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 that once this sin, I want my, that, that heart to die. So what are we talking about? Here, Paul gives us a list, but nothing's going to be surprising here. Put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. Verse 5, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 8, put away the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. I mean, which, which part of that list would you say, even those of you that, 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 that don't get into this God thing, would say, yeah, Jesus followers probably shouldn't have this on their resume, right? It's not a surprise. So when those start crawling back into our life, what do we do? We simply put them to death. But what's the big deal here? What is the big deal? I mean, come on. Is it really that big of a deal? Well, 3.6 says this. Because of these, God's wrath comes to the disobedient. God's wrath. Now, maybe you struggle with the idea of God's wrath, which I get, I understand. It's not, a, it's not an easy concept or an e- easy thing to swallow. But the deal is, is God's wrath is being poured out on Satan. And as we follow Satan and in a rebellion against God towards sin, we are caught up in wrath. In order to illustrate this, I brought in a movie clip. Let's see that. A little bit graphic, but 
And if that was a spoiler alert, well, 22 years of time, I mean, just watch the movie. But they tried to manage, and, and, and the scientists tried to tell them this, right? They tried to manage what couldn't be managed, and it will eat you. It will eat you alive. It's the same thing with sin. But not only that negative aspect, why this is important, there's actually a positive aspect why this is important. In verse 7, we see this, and you once walked in these things, but you were living in them, when you were living in them. Paul's saying, look, 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 look. You once walked into these things, but no more. No more. Now, they might wiggle up and try to insert themselves back into your life, but you walked in these things. But you didn't do that. You don't do that anymore. You've been transformed in an instant. But he also, he also gives this in verse 10, and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. Man, listen to that. Listen to that. He didn't say, you have been renewed. What is your problem? He said, you are being renewed. In an instant, yes, we are transformed. But God is still transforming us. But what is he transforming us to? His own image. This is on display. He is transforming us into his image. And so every time, every time we recognize that death is trying to crawl, or sin is trying to crawl back into our life, every time we kill that sin and put that sin to death, God is able then to transform you more and more and more into his image. So that really the life that people are seeing isn't your life. Because you would be this guy over here with you two. It's this life. The one that desires more than anything the things of his kingdom. By golly, I get frustrated with God that he didn't just transform us in an instant, right? But for whatever reason, he chose to make it a lifelong process of transformation. Let me ask you this. Would you rather manage sin or would you rather die? Die to sin. This is a a one-time choice that happens every single day of our lives. And the action is put to death sin. Maybe you weren't here last week or maybe you decided not to nail to the cross because, because what if I can't keep it up? That's the point, right? We can't keep it up. And this is just a shadow. It's a visual reminder, a shadow of what the Messiah did. To attach us to the Messiah is a a reminder he canceled our debt. So if you did it once, there's no need to do it again. You remember it from last week. Nothing special in this. Maybe you need to pray. Our prayer work for this week is, Jesus, put to death sin inside of me. Put to death sin that's inside of me. I'd encourage you to get specific with him. He won't be surprised. Right? He knows and still loves you and still did this. He's not surprised. 
And the third way to put sin to death is actually confessing, confessing to somebody else. Now, the Bible never tells us to confess to a pastor or a priest or anything like that. But it does tell us in James chapter 5 to confess one to another because there's a healing effect that occurs when we do open up and say, "Ah, I want this dead. I want this dead. I've experienced this with my own life. Stinking sin wouldn't stay dead, but when I told somebody else, it has a tendency to stay dead longer. What's the problem? We want to manage our sin, right? We want to look good. We want to look religious. If we confess, we don't look religious. Guess what? Newsflash, spoiler alert, we're all jacked up, right? We're all messed up. Sorry to break it to all of us. Because it's easier to say, well, they're messed up, but uh, I don't know about me. So during this time of reflection, if you need to talk to somebody, pray through something with them. There's, I'm going to be back in the back if you trust what's going on with me. Uh, Shelly will be back there. Grab somebody else that you trust. It's not anything special about, about me or Shelly or Paul when he's here or, or anybody like that. It's, it's about somebody you trust. Nothing magical about talking to a pastor. But also worship the one during this time, worship the one who has allowed you to identify in his death. Because that's grace. Saying, I died for your sin, and now I'm allowing you to die to your sin. Worship the one that said that and did that. Because that wrath of God was absorbed on that cross. That's love. Let's pray. And Father, Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for this time. I just pray, Lord, that you will move, keep working, that all of us decide to put to death sin, that we, we are tired of it. Myself, all of us. Put in us a a, a heart, a desire for you, your things, your kingdom. Lord, I just pray that you will do your transforming work in every single one of us. In your name we pray. Amen.